Steelers. Here we go. This is Tailgate Talk with Adam Crowley. What a leaping grab by Antonio Brown on the near sideline. Presented by Corona. Find your beat for game day. Incredible is the only word I can think of. Now, here's Adam Crowley. Steelers are 1-1-1. The Baltimore Ravens are 2-1. So some of the luster that we've seen from this rivalry in the past, not quite there for me anymore. It doesn't mean that the Steelers and Ravens aren't rivals. doesn't mean it might not be one of the hottest rivalries in the league. But it doesn't compare to how it was a decade ago. And for that reason, I think it's really become a victim of the old rivalry's success. Hell, the last 20 games between these two teams have been split 10-10. The Steelers had a tough time against the Ravens at home last year, winning 39-38. The Ravens, the last time these two teams met in the playoffs, they beat the Steelers, and it was not a close game. It is a rivalry. Dale Lolly of DKPittsburghSports.com joins us now on the on tailgate talk in ESPN Pittsburgh. Keep doing that. Uh, not the Crowley Show. You can catch that every day from 4 o'clock until 7 every weekday on ESPN Pittsburgh. Uh, we are live at Mullins, I guess. I should mention uh, Corona is on special during the show. Uh, Steelers play tonight. Come on by, drink during that. Okay, so the rivalry, not quite as hot and heavy as it used to be. Still hot and heavy enough for you, Dale? Uh, well, you know, it, it is hot and heavy to a certain degree, uh, but the Steelers have gotten the better of it in recent years. They've just been a better team than the Ravens. Sure thing. Um, you know, the last couple of years, so that's kind of dulled it a little bit. And, and, you know, you just don't have the, you know, Terrell Suggs is still there and Ben Roethlisberger is still here on, on, on the Steelers' side of things. But a lot of the great players that made this rivalry what it was are gone. Um, you know, you don't have the... The Nadas and the and the you know Ray Lewis's and and Ed Reed's on that side, or the Troy Polamalu's and Joey Porter's and 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 James Harrison's on this side. So it's you know it, it has kind of dulled a little bit in that regard. It, it's just these two these two teams don't hate each other like they used to. Mm. Now it's yeah. more of a, a mutual respect. The, the, if you if you looked at the the Ravens press release for this week. They've got a bunch of quotes, and they, they do a great job at their press release, by the way. Not that the Steelers don't, but the Ravens really do. They put a bunch of quotes in there, and it's it's a bunch of different guys talking about how much they respect the Steelers. Can you imagine that happening 10 years ago? No, I can imagine Joey Porter jumping on a bus trying to kill a guy. Yeah, it would never would have happened. I mean, it's just this is the, this is the way it's gone now. I'll say this. While it's a healthy respect now, I still think they respected each other back then. I just don't think it was healthy respect. I think it was, we know we're in for a dogfight, and let's put a bounty out there on Hinesworth's head. Yeah, I think that was a lot of it. I think I think there was a, a good amount of dislike there. Um, I think they the, the Ravens generally did not like Hinesworth. Uh, they may have respected Troy Polamalu, and they you know you never heard much said about him. Uh, but they hated Heinz Ward. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just think that there was, you know, those kind of things going on. I think a lot of Steeler fans hate Terrell Suggs. Um, you know, they really dislike him. But, this, this, you know, to the, a large degree, the Steelers don't. Um, it's, it's not nearly as nasty as it, as it is with the Bengals. I'm putting this up on Twitter right now. Is Terrell Suggs always drooling? I think the answer is yes. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why Steelers fans 
uh, don't like him. Uh, Dale, if you could pick, and this is on the spot, so I'll give mine first, but if you could pick one play that kind of encapsulated the rivalry back in the day, what would it be? Mine is when you had two players knocked out simultaneously in the AFC Championship game in 2008. I don't mean to laugh, but that's just the way it went. I'm going to take you down. You're going to take me down. It's pound of flesh here, pound of flesh there. I thought that that really encompassed it. Yeah, there was that one. There was Ray Lewis breaking Rashard Mendenhall's shoulder yeah. and then celebrating it. I mean, that was a pretty <laughs> – I mean, there was not a lot of respect there. You know what I mean? Uh, but, but then you look, and I think things started to change a little bit uh, with another iconic play, the Antonio Brown catch down the sideline on the, on the helmet. Um, that, that kind of ushered in the new offensive era between these two teams. That's a great point. Uh, Dale, before we continue down the road of Steelers-Ravens, well, I guess I can use that as a jumping point, honestly. The way that the rivalry's gone up late, it's been a higher-scoring game, and as you said, that ushered in that new kind of era it really is a microcosm of the way that the league has moved, right? I'm watching last night's game, and I thought, oh, my God, it looks like a college football game. And while I love college football for that, I kind of like college football being that and the NFL being its own thing. I think they're kind of morphing together a little bit right now. Yeah, I mean, those were those are two good defenses that were on the yes. field last night, and they certainly didn't look like it on either side. Um, you know, there weren't really any defensive plays made in that football game until the, the very end. It was very much like the Super Bowl last year um you know this is this is what the league wants and i think it's a lot of it I, I was just asked this on a chat um you know if this is what the league wants i think it is because i think you know if you, if you look at it this way how many people watch the nfl or are you know worry about the nfl or, or even pay attention to the nfl because of fantasy football and what are those what are those people they're not they, they're you know casual fans um, and that's what you're going after in those respects. Uh, so you, you watch a game like, like what happened last night. It was a, a great game to watch. Uh, but, you know, how many fan, how many Rams fans are there out there in Pittsburgh? How many Vikings fans are there in Pittsburgh? Not very many, but I bet a lot of people watched that game because they had fantasy guys playing. And yeah, so Dalvin that, Cook, know, what are you doing, man? Two fantasy points, you son of a bitch. Jesus. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I was playing against Cooper Cup. And uh, uh, the one Vikings, one of the Vikings receivers, it, it was not a. Uh, even though I had Todd Gurley, it was not a great start for me. But uh, <laughs> you know, I think that's that's what the league's going for. They want people watching these games because they they've embraced the fantasy model. I think they've they've you know, look, if people are going to do this, let's embrace it. Dale Lawley from DKPittsburghSports.com joining us here on the Crowley Show. Dale penalties, of course, a huge issue for the Steelers. Uh, they have been the first three weeks. I find it tremendous that that is a talking point going into Steelers-Ravens. So do they dial it back a little bit this week? Will we see the Steelers be a little bit more disciplined there? Well, you know, some of them are, are, are you know, the pre-snap and post-snap penalties are something you can do a lot about. Um, you know, and there's been some of those. Some of the other stuff has kind of been kind of ticky-tacky. I wrote last night when, when the officials – Threw the flag for a block in the back on the on the long uh, catch and run by uh, Todd Gurley last night, and the the block in the back occurred right in front of the official, and he immediately pulls out his flag and throws it, and then they have a little meeting and they decide to pick it up. I'm like, you know, the league if that's not a if that's not a penalty, then the league should apologize to uh, to Vance McDonald and Alejandro Villanueva for the ones <laughs> that they threw against Kansas City. It's the same thing. 
you know, guys are, are flying by. You're right the, about the guy's that. momentum is already taking him past the play, and you call, you know, a, a little shove in the back when the guy's not going to make the play. He's, he's, he's already overrun the play, and you throw the flag. And then last night they decided to pick it up, and then those in the, in the game with the Kansas City, they didn't. Um, those are things that you can't really control as a player. I mean, you cannot do it, um, but those things happen on every play in the NFL. I, I think, you know, if you look at the penalties, the two most penalized teams in the league this year are the Steelers and whoever is playing the Steelers. Hmm. The teams playing the Steelers have gotten over – they've gone over 30 penalties as well. I mean, they've just had three, you know, over-officious crews, I think, in, in, in large part. But, this, I mean, some of it's, you know, things that they can avoid on their own, the, the, the pre- and post-snap penalties. But the other stuff, you know, I don't know what you do. If you've got a crew that's going to call a lot of stuff, uh, you know, Pete Morelli's crew – is calling five I want to shoot him into the sun. I, I can't his, his stand Pete Morelli. Four more penalties, four more penalties than average, for sixty more yards than average than the average Jesus. NFL crew through three weeks. That's that's as much to do with him as in his crew as it does anything with the Steelers. You know what? And I'm that... not I'm not I'm not discounting anything. You know, the Steelers have been way too penalized, and the, like I said, the pre and post snap stuff has to stop. But good lord, if you get a, a crew that just wants to throw flags all day, that's what you're going to get. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. And I was talking to Tim Benz about that earlier on in the week. There's some things you need to clean up. Uh, when Darius Hayward Bay screaming at an official, some officials won't even throw the flag there. But I, I want him to chill the bleep out. Oh, did you see Adam Thielen last night? Yes. When, it, they it, made him, when they made him leave the field. Yes. You're telling it, me what he did was was less egregious than what Darius Hayward. I don't, and I don't know what Darius Hayward Bay did, but. You know, I'm watching a guy stomp around and throw helmets, and and you know, you know that was that to me was it's an upshow, man. Oh, yeah, and, I, I'll, and I'll agree with that. The other one that I didn't like from the game was Bostic hitting the sliding Fitzpatrick in the head. Yeah, just don't do that. Just pull up, man. And it's hard. Trust me, I know it's hard, but that's one I didn't like. Dale Lolly joining us, DKPittsburghSports.com. Dale, when. We did the pregame show back in the day together. Great time. I miss buddy. those days, Adam. I do too, pal. We had a, we had a lot of fun. There was one thing that we consistently said about the Ravens and Joe Flacco, and on the count of three, let's do it together, okay? Joe Flacco, one, two, three, stinks. stinks. Oh, oh false start. Uh, you're you're like a Pittsburgh Steeler. That's a pre-snap flag penalty. On uh, <laughs> flag on me. Uh, do you buy into them now? Do you buy into them? Better this year. He has buy, been better. He's got better weapons. Do you think um, they're staying power there? I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Um, now again, I, I think they've given him better, they've given him more to work with this year than he's had in the past. So to be fair to him, I mean he's he's not the franchise quarterback that they are paying him to be. Um, but he is not. I think he's a lot closer to Andy Dalton than he has been Roethlisberger. Let's put it that way. Um, I think he will still make mistakes. He, you know, he just will. Um, but they've given him better weapons to work with. They, they haven't run the ball particularly well this year. Uh, Alex Collins is averaging 3.4 yards a carry. Um, you know, they, they give the ball to Buck Allen. Buck Allen's averaging 2.5 yards a carry. That's not going to make it happen. You can't put it all on Flacco's plate and expect that to continue. Their offensive numbers are what they are right now because in the first two weeks, they blew out the Buffalo Bills, who were starting Nathan Peterman, um, and they stink. They had 140 yards of offense in that game against against the, uh, the Ravens, which, you know, has, has made the defensive numbers look better than they are. And, of course, the Ravens were able to, you know, jump out to a big lead early in that game. And then, they, they, you know, the, the Ravens fell behind the following week, 
against uh, Cincinnati and had to throw the entire game. So, uh, you know, I'm not ready to say that the Ravens' offense is, is great. Um, I think it's better, but I, don't, I think their defense is, is a little bit weaker than it has been in recent years. So I, I, think there's a, I still think the Steelers are the better team. No Jimmy Smith. Doesn't sound like C.J. Mosley is going to go either. Do you think the Steelers are able to move up and down the field, put some points on the board this week? You know, it, it, the three games that Ben Roethlisberger has played against the Ravens and Jimmy Smith is not, he's averaged 375 yards passing, and uh, he has 11 touchdowns and two interceptions. Hmm. That's Pretty three good. games. In those, in those three games, uh, Antonio Brown has 32 catches for about 450 yards and two scores. Think about that. He's averaging over 10 yards a catch and about 150 or 170 yards receiving in those games. Um, overall, his, Antonio Brown's numbers are not great against the Ravens. Um, he, he, he barely has 1,000 yards in 15 career games. But when Jimmy Smith doesn't play, uh, it makes a huge difference because he, Jimmy Smith's a, a big physical cornerback, and that's the kind of guy that uh, Antonio Brown struggles with. You know, if Jimmy Smith doesn't play in this game, I expect Antonio Brown to go off. And, and Jimmy Smith isn't going to play in this game for sure. We know that he's suspended. Dale, I love the way that you put that. The 15 career games, just over a thousand yards for Antonio Brown, isn't good enough. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like. It's I mean, like that's how freaking good he for is. Just over a thousand yards. And, and for if most it was, guys, that would be great. Exactly. If that's anybody else, you're thinking, oh, wow, I mean, that's a, he's pretty. He's a Ravens killer. Antonio Brown, come on, come on, buddy. Let's pick it up just a little bit. Uh, Dale, do you give your prediction prior to the pregame show? I will let you hold it if you want to, but uh, if you want to give it, I'll let you give it here, too. I get, I get the Steelers winning this 27-23, Adam. All right, buddy. Does that hey, work for you? Uh, yeah. A little lower scoring than what maybe Mike Pursuta would like, but uh, I got the Steelers winning it. <laughs> Appreciate the time, Jerry. Thank you. Oh, no problem, Stan. Uh, funny guy, Dale Lolly there, DKPittsburghSports.com, and, of course, the Steelers Radio Network. Let me get you some scores from around the league before we take a quick break and break down this game further. we got Bo Smolka of Press Box. He covers the Ravens. He'll be joining us at 540. The Giants on top of the Saints right now, 7-6. And the one that you care about more, the Browns, 17. The Raiders, 14. The Bengals already won today. So if the Steelers win this game, they will not be in first place. If they lose this game and the scores hold, they do that in soccer all the time. If the scores hold, Steelers will be in last place. Big one tonight at Heinz Field where the Steelers have won 11 straight on Sunday night football uh, in prime time. Uh, we'll tell you some keys for the game coming up next. And one thing that does not encourage me. Uh, with Steelers versus Ravens. You're listening to Corona Tailgate Talk on ESPN Pittsburgh. This is Tailgate Talk with Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Presented by Corona. Find your beat for game day. Now, here's Adam Crowley. If you thought James Franklin's play call was bad last night, you should see the referee call that just happened in the Giants-New Orleans Saints game. It's on the road, it's in the Meadowlands, and you'd think that maybe the Giants would get a call to go their way. No, not at all. 
Ball thrown out into the flat by Eli Manning. The backup running back catches the football. I guess that's not the correct term. The football hits his hands. He gets hit. Ball pops in the air. Bounces. Gets picked up by the Saints. And they say it's a fumble recovery. You kidding me? It just makes me crazy thinking about what happened with Jesse James last year. If that's a catch this year, oh, if only the rule had been different, the Steelers would have beat New England. Had they beat New England, they're playing the AFC Championship game, likely against New England, and then who knows what happens then. So much inconsistency around the National Football League, and I don't care what year it is, that did not look like a catch to me. 412 is the number to get involved. You can tweet me. At underscore Adam Crowley, the Browns still on top of the Raiders, 17-14. to 14, And the Bengals, they hold on. And by hold on, I mean come back to win against the Atlanta Falcons on the road. It looked bleak. And then Andy Dalton finds A.J. Green in the end zone with under 20 seconds left in that game. So the Steelers, even if they win today, they will not have possession of first place in the AFC North. That will belong to the Cincinnati Bengals. If the Ravens win, they'll be tied atop the division, although they'll have lost their game to Cincinnati earlier in the season. This is incredibly big for Pittsburgh, as tomorrow is the first day of October. The season flips to month number two, and if you are close to first place, you're feeling okay. If you're one, two, and one, and the team leading the division is three and one, that's scary, and the schedule for the Steelers does not get easier. You think that Atlanta's not going to put up a bunch of points on the Steelers' defense? You think that Cincinnati, the way that they're playing, isn't going to be able to put a bunch of points up on the Steelers' defense? Out of the next three teams that the Steelers play, including Baltimore tonight, Baltimore is the one that I feel best about the Steelers winning. And I actually think they're going to lose this game. I think right now, Baltimore is a better team than Pittsburgh. It doesn't mean it's going to finish that way. I don't expect it to finish that way. I think Pittsburgh's overall more talented than Baltimore. They've got the better quarterback. They've got more high-end talent on this team. But right now, today... Baltimore's defense is good. Their offense is averaging 32 points a game. The Steelers' offense is good, albeit inconsistent, particularly when it comes to running the football. And they're playing atrocious defense. I haven't even brought in special teams. The Ravens, every time they get past the 50-yard line, have the best kicker in all of ball. The Steelers' kicker is 1 of 4, 25%. He's 9 out of 11 in extra points. I think the Ravens have an advantage maybe on all three sides of the ball tonight at least when you consider matching up against the other side so i'm not picking the steelers to win this game i'm in fact picking the steelers to lose but i think it's the best chance the steelers have to win over the next three wrap your head around that i was fooled today and i've been fooled a couple of times in my life only a few though only a couple and i'm never gonna let it happen to me again i picked new england to lose to miami I fell into the trap. I thought New England's biggest problem, apart from their slow defense, was their wide receivers could not create separation. Well, they get Josh Gordon back. He helps already. They get Julian Edelman back next week. I said that that was a team that was going to win the division. I think it's a team that makes the playoffs. But I thought Miami was playing better football today. New England just crushed them. They flexed their muscles. Tom Brady hasn't lost a division game at home since 2006. I should have known better than that. I should not have fallen for the trap. I also shouldn't have fallen for the Chargers are good narrative. It's every stinking year. The Chargers are so talented. Phillip Rivers is criminally underrated. Blah, 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 blah. I think Phillip Rivers is underrated. But this Chargers team is at home 
Not that there's much of a home field advantage. And they're trailing San Francisco without Jimmy Garoppolo 17-6. If they lose this game, they fall to 1-3. and three. It happens every year. That does. And yet, I still thought this is the year they bucked that trend. Every damn year, the Chargers start off 1-3, and 2-4, and four, something along those lines, and they have to dig their way back into relevance. They're going to have to do that again. And they have to do that during almost every game, too. It always seems like the Chargers have three timeouts with Phillip Rivers down by nine points with six minutes to go in the game and you need him to bring you back and that is a microcosm of what they do over the course of an entire season they're losing to cj bethard right now cj bethard he go to iowa i want to say yes or wisconsin one of those two i'll look him up wes will look him up tom will look him up someone will look him up i want to say iowa though regardless you shouldn't be losing to C.J. Beathard by 11 points at home if you fancy yourself a Super Bowl contender. I said not that long ago, Friday in fact, that I felt a little bit better about the Steelers now than I did two weeks ago because I looked at what was going on around the AFC and how nobody had really separated themselves. I think I already have to kind of pull that take back. I think I have to amend the take. Because Cincinnati's 3-1. and one. Tennessee's now 3-1 and one in the AFC. Jacksonville's 3-1 and one in the AFC. Kansas City 3-0. Denver 2-1. and one. If Denver wins tonight, or, or pardon me, tomorrow night, they move to 3-1. and one. KC will be 3-1. and one. If KC wins, they'll be 4-0. The Steelers, if they lose tonight, we will start to finally see that separation. It's only been three games. It's hard to separate. Only three teams were undefeated coming into this weekend. Three teams had not won a game coming into this weekend. It makes it that much harder to make up ground when teams ahead of you are winning. And I didn't think enough teams were winning ahead of the Pittsburghers. Well, now we're starting to see that there is a little bit of separation. I tease coming into the break, one of the reasons why some people are picking the Steelers tonight that I don't feel good about is the Steelers are unbeaten in their last 11 division game. Tim Benz loved him to death. Good man. I texted him yesterday during the Syracuse game, and I shouldn't have. I know better than that. I jinxed it. They got housed after I texted him. I said, buddy, they're going to win this thing. What a douche. Terrible. Well, Tim Benz wrote in Breakfast with Benz that the Steelers are good against the division. The Steelers are good in primetime. The primetime thing sticks. I can buy that. We saw him win a primetime game last week against one of the hotter teams in the NFL. They've since fallen off, but they were hot at the time. Primetime resonates with me. The division doesn't for a number of reasons. A, it's a different Steelers team without Le'Veon Bell. It's a different Steelers team without Ryan Shazier. B, every team in the division has gotten better now. Better than the Steelers have. That doesn't mean they're better than the Steelers, but in terms of improvement, they've all improved more than the Steelers improved this offseason. Cleveland. Good football team. They're up on the Oakland Raiders right now. Are they a playoff team? No. Are they decent football team? Yeah. Maybe even good, as I just said. The Bengals, they're 3-1. and one. They can score. They can get after the quarterback. They can stop the run. What more you need to see from them? Maybe a playoff win. I get it. But they're a good football team. And the Ravens, Joe Flacco is playing the best football he has in five years because they've got legitimate weapons to give the ball to. 
So when you tell me the Steelers are 11-0 against the division, or pardon me, 10-0-1 against the division in their last 11 times out, and you say they will raise their game, maybe they will, but I think that these teams have all raised their game in their collective roster talent, and I think we'll see that tonight with the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not putting any stock in that. 412-922-2874. Artie Burns is broken. This is not good if you're a Steelers fan. I think that if you are a bowler, if you are a golfer, if you are a kicker, if you are a pitcher, if you are a radio host, when you lose confidence, it is hard to get that back. If you go up to a girl and she rejects you three or four times, you should probably stop asking her. But that's going to kill your confidence the next time you go up and ask a girl out, right? Artie Burns said to our friend Will Graves of the Associated Press this week, quote, I don't feel like I'm really confident now, end quote. Uh-oh, we saw this happen with Cortez Allen about four years ago. Cortez Allen came in. He helped shut down Rob Gronkowski in 2011, the only time the Steelers were able to beat the Patriots that mattered at all. Cortez Allen had the ability to be a good player. He was a little bit thicker, I thought a strong guy, a little bit longer, had all the ability to be a good player in this league, or at least to stick in the league. He lost his confidence and would admit it. Uh, mentally, the guy was shot. Physically, he had everything he needed. Mentally, he was shot. Steve Blass, the World Series champion, lost it. Chris Boswell, lesser of an example, but he misses the game winner in Cleveland. It's just a miss, right? Well, no, it's affected his confidence. He missed two kicks since then and a couple of extra points. If you don't have your confidence, if you're not there mentally, you're screwed. Uh, Tiger Woods has gotten his game back until this weekend, obviously, because it's the Ryder Cup, and selfish Tiger can't win anything for his damn country. Well, mentally, he hurts his back, and you're thinking about everything. You have to think about how your back uh, affects the swing, and everything changes from that point forward. Once you lose confidence, it's so hard to gain it back. I've done bad Friday shows. Uh, I've done... Bad Monday shows because of it. When you think, oh my God, did I prepare too much? Did I not prepare enough? You come back on Monday, well now did I prepare too much? Did I prepare too little? And you're questioning everything you do, it's not going to be a good radio show. Artie Burns is at a crossroads now in his career. He needs, and this isn't hyperbole, he needs to have a big game tonight so he can believe he can continue to have big games over the course of his career. If Artie Burns goes out tonight and sucks... You might have lost him for good, and if you lose Artie Burns for good, you've wasted a first-round draft pick. And you have to start all over trying to find a cornerback who's worth a damn in this league, and they certainly don't think right now it's Cameron Sutton. At this point, they don't think Sutton can be that guy. If they did, he would have started last weekend instead of Cody flipping Sensaba. That's not just an indictment on Artie Burns. It's an indictment on, Co on Cameron Sutton that... Cody Sensabaugh starts ahead of both of them. It's a confidence issue. Now, there is precedent for guys being able to turn it around when they do lose their confidence. Maybe Ike Taylor was just too dumb to lose his confidence. He was sat down in 2005. He wasn't playing well. And he winds up having an interception in Super Bowl Forty. He winds up having a great career in the black and gold. This can be for Artie Burns' benefit. He gets sat down. His playing time gets cut in half a little bit. It can help him. 
as long as he uses today as that jumping off point. Here's a positive in today's game. It's been all negative today. And I realize the Steelers won last week, but defense still stinks. And the offense still a little bit inconsistent as they didn't score a point in the second half. This will help. They're going to have their right guard and their right tackle starting today. Between the fumble and the 27-yard run that James Conner had at the end of the Tampa Bay game, he rushed 34 times for 40 yards. Steelers are 23rd in the league in running the ball. Now, falling behind against Kansas City has something to do with it, but they aren't getting a good enough push up front. Filer and Finney were fine, but DeCastro and Gilbert are good. They're studs. DeCastro is a potential Hall of Fame type player. You need to get those horses back. They will be back tonight. Let's see if the Steelers can have some success running the football. And as always, you're going to need to protect Ben Roethlisberger against these Baltimore Ravens. Coming up next, we'll talk more specifically about Baltimore and the rivalry, how it still is received in Baltimore. We're going to be talking to Bo Smolka from PressBox, covers the Baltimore Ravens for that outlet. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Corona Tailgate Talk with Adam Crowley here on ESPN Pittsburgh. This is Tailgate Talk with Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Presented by Corona. Find your beat for game day. Now, here's Adam Crowley. It's Ravens week, as Mike Tomlin so finally says. AFC North football. And joining us now to discuss is Bo Smolka from Pressbox Covers the Ravens. Uh, Bo, thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, You're welcome. My pleasure. Bo, the Ravens offense uh, putting up 32 points a game. Sustainable? I don't know about sustainable, but it's a better offense than it's been the past few years. I don't think there's any question about that. They have more ways to score. They're better at the receiver position, and they've been very efficient. They're the first team in NFL history to go 12 for 12 on their first 12 trips to the red zone. Every time they've gotten inside the 20, though so far this year, they've scored a touchdown. I don't think that's sustainable. But their ability to score is notably improved from where it was last year based on some improvements they've made with this offense. Is Joe Flacco playing better because he's playing better, or is Joe Flacco playing better because they've surrounded him with better weapons? Uh, It's a combination of them surrounding him with better weapons and him being significantly healthier than he's been the past few years. You may recall last year he missed, he played all the games, but he missed all of training camp with a back injury, and when he came back, he didn't quite look right. They're not going to ever say that that was a reason, but he really looked, frankly, quite poor for the first half of the year. It picked up notably over the second half of the year. Um, he's looked healthy all through OTAs all summer. He's moving better. He's throwing better. I think his health is a significant factor. But, again, as you referred to, they've totally upgraded the receiver position. Uh, a bunch of guys are gone. Mike Wallace is gone. Jeremy Macklin's gone. Uh, Michael Campanero is gone. Rashad Perriman is gone. Uh, and they brought in Michael Crabtree. They brought in John Brown. They brought in Willie Sneed as like the top three receivers. And all three of those guys are contributing in different ways. They drafted two rookie tight ends, one of whom, Hayden Hurst, the first round pick, is hurt. But Mark Andrews, a third round pick, who's almost He's more of a slot receiver than an actual, like, in-the-turf-blocking tight end, but he's made some big catches. So it's a combination of both to me, him being healthy and him having better players to play with, basically. How does the Lamar Jackson situation play into it? Extra motivation there? 
I mean, I, probably, I think probably. Uh, that's certainly what people have talked about. And I know for the first month or so of training camp, a lot of people tried to drum up a quarterback controversy going on here. When you watch them day in and day out, Flacco is significantly better as a quarterback. Mm. In fact, if Flacco were to miss games right now, I think Robert Griffin III would become the starting quarterback. Wow. Um, I think Jackson is the number three quarterback based on his ability to throw, which still needs a lot of work. Having said that, every game so far they've activated two quarterbacks, and it's been Flacco and Jackson because Jackson gets on the field. He gets on the field in decoy situations. He has played a, played a couple plays. I mean, played the, in the blowout win over Buffalo, he got some time at quarterback. But you will see Jackson on the field for five or six or seven snaps it might be. He'll play. So he'll line up as a wide receiver and come in motion. He might line up at running back. There was one play where he lined up at quarterback and Flacco was at wide receiver. I think the the Ravens like to kind of have it in their pocket to make teams worry about it. Um, so, Jacks, I think certainly the drafting a first round quarterback is going to motivate your current quarterback. I don't think there's any question about that. I personally don't think that's the biggest reason Flacco is better. Mm-hmm. I think Flacco is healthier. He's got better players. But Lamar Jackson is definitely a wrinkle. I don't know if you got to see the um, the touchdown Alex Collins scored against the Broncos. Jackson was on the field. He came in motion. Then he went in motion the other way. And you could see the Denver defense clearly accounting for him. And then they ran misdirection to Alex Collins. And clearly some focus was on Jackson. Collins got a big hole up the middle. And that's kind of what they're hoping to see from him right now. I think that's what he'll bring. And I, like I said, I don't think he's even their second-best quarterback right now, but I do think he will play in the game, you know, even just a handful of snaps. It's, it's an interesting twist that this offense has right now. Bo Smolka from Press Box joining us here on the Crowley Show talking Steelers-Ravens. I'd imagine the Ravens have to have a lot of confidence. They've had some success in Heinz Field throughout the years with Joe Flacco. Last year, the Ravens' offense wasn't good, and they put up 38 points and had the game, it seemed, in control for a little while against the Steelers here at Heinz Field. What gives them such confidence to be able to come in here on the road and perform like that? You know, I think they really, I think they really love playing at Heinz Field. I think they really relish... The enemy role, I think they love the vibe. I talked to five or six players this week, and I asked them about their favorite places to play, and every single one of them said it was Heinz Field. They love the atmosphere there. They love getting booed. They love having everyone against them. It's just there's so much energy when these two teams play each other. But I will say this. The offense did put up the numbers last year, but, look, they gave, they gave up 39 points. <laughs> right. And if you remember, two years ago, Christmas night, the Ravens thought they had that game won. And then the Steelers scored on the touchdown pass to Antonio Brown with, like, nine seconds left. So this is a team that, yeah, they've played well up there. And Joe Flacco has won a playoff game there. He's played some of his best games there, actually. In, interestingly enough, he seems to play much better at Pittsburgh than he does at Cincinnati, where he has almost never played well. Um but they love playing there. They really relish it, but it's a team that also is, quite frankly, a little bit angry about how the last two games up there have gone because they've taken leads into the fourth quarter in both of them and then not been able to hold them. So that's also certainly on their mind going up there this week. Well, moving away from the football element of it and kind of just getting a feel of the town, 
Does it still get the people going, Steelers-Ravens, the way it used to? I mean, obviously no Ray Lewis. Uh, Joey Porter's on the sideline. He's not out there on the field or trying to jump into the Ravens bus. Uh, Heinz Ward's not there. But does the town still have the same sort of uh, vitriol that they want to throw towards the way of Steelers? I think they do. Um, and, yeah, some of the great villains of the rivalry are gone. Um, you know, around here, certainly they still don't like Ben Roethlisberger. And I know in Pittsburgh they don't like Terrell Suggs, and that's all healthy for the rivalry. To be honest, the, the, the team itself, you know, this team has gone 41-41 and 41, or 42-41 and 41 since winning the Super Bowl. Um, there had been something of an apathy around this team last year, particularly a lot of fans here were quite angry at this team for – the kneeling in London on the national anthem, that was kind of the very start of the whole anthem protesting. They had the first game that week, the one in London early in the morning. There were some fans who were enraged by that, quite honestly, and the team kind of middling along and missing the playoffs again last year. There were a lot more empty seats in this stadium last year than they were used to having, and I think they acknowledged that. They've made some off-season efforts to fix that. Um, to be honest, it also doesn't hurt that the Orioles are horrible this year. <laughs> so there is a little more vibe about this team now. Um, people are embracing it a little more than they were, say, nine months ago or eight months ago. But then the Steelers week comes along, and that's how people refer to it. It's Steeler week. That's how people call it. So I definitely think there's still juice to the rivalry in the town. And I think the team – is worry, working on winning back a fan base that has been, I don't know if I would say disenchanted, but a little more apathetic than it's been in the past several years. So that's part of it. But there's no question that there's a little, there's still, like I said, there's still juice to this rivalry um, going into this week. You go back a decade in both of these teams, 2008, it was a sweep by the Steelers, but every game was close, and both defenses were so good, and every blade of grass was being defended. And really, after 2010, it's kind of like the Steelers forgot how to play defense. Obviously, there's a rebuild there, and there's a lot going on. But the Ravens still have a good defense. It's tough to in the NFL anymore, but what do they do well? And it seems like it gives them an opportunity to win every single week. They're, they do. They pride themselves on defense. It's been their cornerstone. Um, they make no bones about it. And if they face some criticism, it has been the fact that over the years, they have poured resources into their defense in drafting, in free agency, at the expense of not getting better receivers for Joe Flacco or not drafting receivers high in the draft or whatever it might be. Defense has been the calling card of this team since they basically drafted Ray Lewis in the first draft. Um, and so the defense is consistently good. What do they do well? Well, they try to rush the passer. Obviously, they still have Terrell Suggs, who is basically timeless. He's 36 years old, and he still, last year, still played 90% of the team's snaps or something. Um, they are solid. I wouldn't say that they're improving in the secondary, but again, Jimmy Smith, probably their number one cornerback, is out for a four-game suspension, and they have had notable trouble when he has missed games. Um, they did against Cincinnati. They did last year. He Last year, the game in Pittsburgh was the first game he missed with a torn Achilles. He wasn't there when Roethlisberger threw for 500 yards. Um, but it's a defense that uh, you know, touts itself on rushing the passer. They want to get after him from the outside and from the inside. Um I, they've got some questions this week, though. C.J. Mosley, their starting mm. inside linebacker, probably their best, most complete defensive player. 
Missed the game last week after getting a bone bruise in his knee against Cincinnati. He practiced this week. I suspect he might be playing, but I don't think he's at 100%. Terrell Suggs is a little bit banged up. Um, Jimmy Smith is suspended. Those are three of their top defensive players, and they all have questions or will be out this week. So um, those are all major concerns. But to your point, it is a team that has consistently anchored itself on their defense, and there isn't that hasn't changed. They pride themselves on it, and they build their team around it. If the Ravens stall out at the 50-yard line, they kick in a field goal? I don't know. Justin, that's a long way behind the field. Now, even Justin Tucker will tell you that's one of the hardest places to kick, but he is as good a weapon as a team can have. I mean, he has made now eight straight kicks from outside 50 yards. Um, they don't hesitate for a minute to give it to him. Um, and, I, you know, when you watch all the kicking struggles around the league, and I know they've had them in Pittsburgh as well, um, it is, it's a significant edge. Usually this team is, usually this team has the edge in special teams play. I don't think there's any doubt about that base, basically because of Tucker. And Sam Cook's a good puncher too, but Tucker is, he's an offensive weapon. And when you can consistently know you can make a field goal from 50, 52, 53 yards, you know, that's a, that is significant. You say the Steelers' special teams uh, usually not as good as the Ravens in these games. Well, unless Mike Tomlin runs out on the field and they put that extra defender out there, that can certainly help. Uh, Bo- well, that didn't that didn't hurt that day. I'll give you that. Um, but you know, it's, it, it comes down to it's funny because last week against Denver, the Ravens had two kicks blocked, which is almost unheard of for this organization. They had a punt blocked when there was just a whiff on protection, and then they had a field goal blocked, which remains kind of controversial because the Broncos player hurdled the line in a, in a way that the Ravens strongly felt should not have been legal, and I happen to agree with them on that. Um, but they had two kicks blocked, which you never really see. Um, but it is still a pretty solid special teams unit. They cover well. Uh, Sam Cook's a veteran punter, and, of course, I think Tucker is probably the best kicker in the league. Bo, really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I know you're heading out to the Orioles game tonight, so soak that one in, have a nice time, and uh, we'll talk soon maybe. Take care. I still don't know how to say goodbye to guests anymore. It's kind of like what's going on with Chris Boswell. He misses the first one, and then after that, it's all kind of hit or miss. It's a lot like Steve Blass. I've got the yips right now. A couple of weeks ago, I told, I believe it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers reporter, that I would see her at the stadium, even though I was clearly not going to Tampa Bay. And ever since that moment, I don't know how to say goodbye to anyone. And what I just did to Bo there was say, "Eh, I will talk again sometime if you and I don't die before then I suppose is what I was intimating there my predictions are coming up next and they're incredibly important because I picked the Dolphins to beat the Patriots today and they lost by a thousand I also just said that the Chargers aren't a good football team and I'm not buying into their hype ever again and now they've tied the game back at 17-17 so I suck Let's hope the Steelers don't, for your sake, tonight. I'll give my predictions, which are locked, coming up next. You're listening to Corona Tailgate Talk, live from Mullins on the North Shore, where you can get Corona Extra. It is ESPN Pittsburgh. Listen to the chat. Here we go, Steelers. Here we go. This is Tailgate Talk with Adam Crowley. What a leaping grab by Antonio Brown on the near sideline. Presented by Corona. Find your beach for game day. A lot of trash talk already happening between Steelers and Ravens fans, both here at Mullins and over the interwebs. 
Here's something I didn't realize, but it is hilarious. Bob Greenberg tweets, The Baltimore Orioles lost 115 games. They were 60 games out of first place, but still outdrew the Pirates this year by 70,000 fans. Wow! You wonder when Steelers fans are going to turn on the black and gold. I think the Steelers have a good chance to win tonight. I'm not going to predict them to win. I think the Baltimore Ravens' defense is far and away a better unit than the Steelers' defense is right now. I think that the Steelers' offense, while good, can't run the football. Maybe the addition of Marcus Gilbert and David DeCastro does help that out. But they're inconsistent. They didn't score a point in the second half. They weren't good enough in all four quarters. They didn't score a point uh, the first three drives of the game against Kansas City. So I think Baltimore's going to win. I think the Steelers fall to 1-2-1. And, and then Baltimore's 3-1 and one along with Cincinnati. And at that point, you are trying to make up a bunch of ground. And you've got an opportunity because you've got Cincinnati then a couple of times. But it's a much worse start in division than what it was at any point last year. Last year, you don't lose a division game. This year, you're already 0-0-1. You lose to Baltimore, you're 0-1-1. With Cincinnati coming to town in two weeks, it's dire straits. The Bengals won today. The Browns just completed a nasty touchdown pass in the back of the end zone. Baker Mayfield, Antonio Callaway, I believe that is. It might be Jarvis Landry. Can't see. I'm blind and old. Uh, that gives them uh, a bigger lead now out there in Oakland. Uh, they look poised to be able to move their record to 2-1-1. One, one. They're up 26-14 to 14 right now. Didn't think that they'd win the game. They're going for two as we speak. So the Steelers are in a predicament if they lose this game. That being said, back against the wall, I still think the Steelers do lose this game. Last chance for you to weigh in, 412-922-2874. Let me give you the scores from around the league, keep you updated on everything that happened today before I dive into some of the key matchups in today's game. The Cardinals on top of the Seahawks right now. That's irrelevant for everyone. The Seahawks aren't making the playoffs. The Cardinals stink. If the Seahawks want to think that they are not awful, though, they've got to beat the Cardinals home and road. They're trailing right now in the third quarter. The Giants behind the Saints right now, 12 to 7. Uh, second quarter, or pardon me, third quarter, second half just started a couple minutes ago. 49ers and Chargers tied at the half. Jags beat the Jets, 31 to 12. Patriots 38, Dolphins 7, Titans 26, Eagles 23, Texans in overtime. They beat the Colts 37 to 34. The Bills come back down to earth after a week ago winning when they were 16 and a half point underdogs, nine and a half point underdogs this week. They lose by 22. Cowboys last second field goal beat the Lions 26-24. Bears 48, Steelers opponent from last week. Buccaneers 10, and tomorrow you've got the Chiefs and the Broncos. Thursday night football, you've got the Patriots and the Colts. One guy who's not going to play tonight that always has a profound impact on these matchups is Jimmy Butler. Or Jimmy Smith, pardon me. Jimmy Butler. Been listening to too much NBA talk throughout the offseason. When's he going to get traded, right? Jimmy Smith not going to play in his career. Antonio Brown against the Ravens when Jimmy Smith plays 60 yards a game. When Jimmy Smith doesn't play Antonio Brown against the Baltimore Ravens, 150 yards a game. Is this the game where A.B. finally looks like stankin' A.B.? Because he hasn't looked like him all season, and even last week, Steelers win, Antonio Brown gets a touchdown, but doesn't look like himself. Still an explosive play for him to get into the end zone, but not being targeted as much as we're used to seeing Antonio Brown be targeted. 
does that change tonight? The other thing that is interesting to me is with the way the Steelers haven't been able to run the ball, and they keep giving the same statistic, 34 for 40 for James Conner between the fumble against Cleveland and the 27-yard run last week against Tampa Bay, is that C.J. Mosley's not going to play, so the Steelers, you think, would try to run the ball, right? You're going to get Justin Gilbert back at your right tackle. You're going to get David DeCastro back at your right guard. Maybe that's a reason for the slow running start. Maybe it's because James Conner is nowhere near as good as Le'Veon Bell. Maybe it's a combination, probably likely, of both. But I think the Steelers try to establish the ground game tonight. I talk about it all the time, and I think it can work against the Baltimore Ravens. You want to play symbiotic football. West Virginia, when they saw Dana Holgerson walk in for the first time, they didn't give a rip about playing defense because they assume you're going to score in the Big 12, so we're going to have to score as many points as possible, and that's how we're going to try to win games. Well, as Dana's gotten more comfortable in West Virginia, as he's gotten more comfortable as a head coach, he's willing to run the ball more. He's willing not, to not hurry up every single time his offense is on the field. You learn to play unit with unit. The Steelers have not been good at that this year. It's a team that lacks an identity. It's obvious when you watch them play. Against Kansas City, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Steelers punt, punt, punt. If you want to help your defense out, you stay on the damn football field. You convert first downs. You catch the ball. You hit wide open players the way that Ben Roethlisberger wasn't able to do as James Washington was breaking down the sideline. You're going to give up points. It's 2018. Everyone's going to give up points. You have to absolutely stay on the field a little bit longer if you're the offense. I mean, look around the league. Look at some of the scores we're seeing today. Everyone's scoring. But you've got to be able to help out your defense just a little bit. Stay off the field. Run the ball a little bit more. Stay manageable. Execute efficiently. You don't have to get it all on one play. I think the Steelers need to be a little bit better in that regard. And don't turn the football over. Last week I thought was going to be a carbon copy of what we saw in Kansas City. First possession of the game for the Steelers offense, punt. Second possession for the Steelers offense, interception by Ben Roethlisberger that leads directly to seven points for Tampa Bay. We then saw the Steelers offense not be able to score or possess the football in the second half of that game until the end when they absolutely did need to. They made the plays in the crucial moments. I'd like to see them make the plays in the routine moments so that the crucial moments... You don't have to worry about it. Monopolize the football. As weird as it sounds, keep Joe Flacco off the field, and you should be okay. As for stopping Baltimore, they are 12 for 12 in the red zone right now. Joe Flacco's thrown touchdowns to seven different wide receivers. Michael Crabtree comes in. John Brown comes in from Arizona. They're both veterans. They're good players. Joe Flacco, while I still don't think he's great and hasn't been for five years, he's a smart player, he understands the offense, and he gets the ball into the hands of his playmakers now for really the first time in half a decade. Seven touchdowns to seven different receivers, 12 for 12 in the red zone. They capitalize when they get down there, and any time they cross the 50, they've got an opportunity to put three points up on the board because their kicker is that stankin' good. Steelers special teams is bad. We saw penalty after penalty after penalty last week on special teams. We saw missed field goal. We've seen missed extra points. One for four is Chris Boswell on the season. I'm telling you, the Ravens have an advantage in special teams. 
The Ravens' defense is playing well. Steelers need to play a clean game tonight if they want to win, i.e. avoid the penalties. And I think that this is the perfect test for Pittsburgh after the debacle we saw last week and really what has been an atrocious three-week stretch of penalties. It's Baltimore. It's, other than Cincinnati, really, your most heated rival on the football field. See if you can maintain your composure. See if you can return a damn kick without a hold. See if you don't bitch about it on the sideline, Darius Hayward Bay. The roughing the passer stuff's going to happen. I think you just have to deal with that at this point. Vince Williams said something similar to that this week. You're going to give up, or you're going to get those plays called on you. But it's the other stuff. It's the pre-snap penalties. It's the post-snap penalties. Those are the ones that you can clean up. And Mike Tomlin has been saying for the three weeks that not only are the Steelers the most penalized team in the National Football League, but the team that they're playing is the second most penalized team, globally speaking, in the National Football League. I buy it to an extent. Last week, though, was a different kind of animal. Now, when you're talking about 13 penalties for 155 yards, you don't give yourself an opportunity. The only reason that they won the game is because Ryan Fitzpatrick turned from Aaron Rodgers back into a pumpkin. Uh, that's why you won that game. Uh, you cannot be consistent on offense, defense, or special teams whenever you're giving up 155 yards and penalties. Whenever you are taking good plays and you're wasting them and you're falling behind the chains, it's one of the big reasons why the Steelers did three and out three times in a row two weeks ago. It is a reason why the Steelers last week struggled at times in the second half. Penalties will kill you. And I can't stand when people say it's hidden yardage. It's not hidden yardage. It's right there on the stat sheet. It's just like turnovers. If you consistently out turnover, or pardon me, out get out penalized, then your opponent, you are not going to win football games. And Mike Tomlin's not a guy who has had his teams be undisciplined for long stretches in his career. Usually when these things happen, they get turned around. But this is the worst stretch I've seen of undisciplined ball from the Steelers. They do a lot of things that make it hard to defend Mike Tomlin. The special teams gaffes, misses, bad punts, things of that nature, that looks bad on the coach. Penalties look bad on the coach. Inconsistency looks bad on the coach. Miscommunication on defense looks bad on the coach. This is a big one for Tomlin. It's a big one for the Steelers in the standings. I think we're going to see the best from Pittsburgh tonight. I also think we're going to see the best from Baltimore. I bet you they win the game. I bet you they do. And the Steelers fall to 1-2-1. Backs against the wall, Heinz Field. We've seen Joe Flacco come in here before and get the job done. We've seen him come in here and throw touchdown passes to TJ Hushmanzada at night when the Steelers are 3 and 0 thinking they're going to move the 4 and 0. All Joe, all you have to do is stop Joe Flacco. He's got 2 minutes to come down the field, and they can't do it. This is 10 years ago, but Joe Flacco is that guy again for the first time in probably half a decade. Uh, I think they know the importance of this game, just like the Steelers do. So I think you throw that out. And I think you just got to look at who's playing better football. You boil it down to what is really fundamental. The Ravens are the better football team today. Therefore, I think the Ravens win this game. Thanks to Mullins for having us here. Uh, we'll be here for every single primetime game four hours-ish beforehand. I'll be tweeting it out at underscore Adam Crowley. 
Uh, thanks to Wes for setting things up here. Thanks to our buddy Tom, who is shirtless, back in the studio. Uh, I got halftime tonight on the Steelers Radio, Na- uh, Radio Network post. Uh, Steelers Radio Network. I've also got part of the Steelers Radio Network post-game show. Uh, the recap leading into Stan Saverin and Charlie Batch. Uh, so thanks very much to Mullins. Talk to the talk to the ins tomorrow, four o'clock until seven. Uh, gonna have some guests. Maybe I'll actually sleep tonight. I'll be crushing James Franklin. I'll be crushing Pat Narduzzi. I'll be crushing the Pirates attendance. I'll be ripping Tom Wilson. All of that tomorrow, four to seven, right here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Uh, coming up next, you've got the Steelers Radio Network with Mike Persuda, Bob Labriola, and Jerry Dulac. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Corona Tailgate Talk on ESPN Pittsburgh.